Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm pretty for a black girl. This is your girl, Deja. Make sure you follow me wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're listening with Apple or Spotify, please rate five stars and write a review. So, Mario Reed, what's going on, sir? What's that name? Mario, tell us about yourself. Where, where you grow up? I know you. I know you from Georgia, but where exactly are you from? Raised in Atlanta, Southside. Um, started in College Park. Family got a few dollars. Uh, moved to Peachtree City, Fayetteville area, um, with the School of Landmark, Fairburn. If anybody knows it, um, went to college in Boston. Civil engineer. Um, How'd you get into that? The whole engineering thing, like, really started from my grandfather. He was always in construction. He was the first black-owned contractor in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Very well-known, so to speak. It was always, like, putting us to be hands-on, know how to work with your hands, be a man, this, that, and the third. But something he always told me was growing up in the 30s, 40s, 50s or whatever, slavery was still very prominent in the South where he was from and he used to be outside working in the heat and would always have like white boys coming out of you know, construction trailers kind of telling him what to do, bossing him around who was much younger than him didn't really know much so what he said was when I get older, if I have sons, ended up being grandson. I'm always telling them, like, go to school, go be an engineer. Y'all can be the ones in the office telling people what to do instead of being out here in the field, so to speak, slaving while, you know, white boys bossing you around. Yeah, that's... Whatever happened, people in my family didn't do it. I was the one to do it. And uh, one of the proudest moments I ever had was him being front row at my graduation, um, getting my engineering degree, so... Yeah, that's a dope... That's how that happened. I never really thought engineering was going to be something I would do. Um, I was an artist growing up. I always used to draw. I always used to paint. Definitely thought I was going to be a painter, struggling artist. Worst case, you know, maybe an architect or something like that. But Not worst case. What's wrong with being an architect? I mean, it sounds good if you like, really get in the field and realize that architects don't really make that much money unless you've got your own practice or unless you've been doing it for so long. Like your average architect coming out of school don't, like, you, you, you mail room. Like, you don't really make that much. And no disrespect to anyone who is an architect, but truth is the truth. So, um, I kind of shifted and said, you know, engineering is where it's at. You get to incorporate your creativity. You get to use whatever skill you have on a hands-on and math and science standpoint. So, engineering just what it was. And I had a benefit was making my family proud. So, that's where I came from. Uh, what brought you to LA, though? You brought you brought ATL to LA. <laughs> you know the truth, or I, I, should I like? <laughs> so full disclosure, man. Full disclosure. 
Um, always wanted to go to California. Growing up in the South, in the Bible Belt, I was very much so liberal in a conservative area. Tattoos were frowned upon. Freedom was frowned upon. You had your rules and you stuck to them. And I never liked that. Always been somebody who, you know, challenged authority to a degree. Respected my parents, of course, but California just seemed so free. People who are not from California look at California like this dream place. So that was always in my mind. Um, I was in Atlanta working for a company, going engineering, and um, got an email one day that was like, hey, we need engineers for the new, it's called the Inglewood Stadium, but at the time it was the Ram Stadium, which got, it started probably five years ago, finished two years ago, and now they just won a Super Bowl this past year. But the email was like, look, you got a qualified engineer, send them this way. Went to my manager at the time. I was like, hey, how serious is this? He was like, it's very serious. If you want to go, just, you know, kind of put your bid in. Sure enough, two weeks later, moving truck was at my house. Moved me to California and paid for everything. And that damn that started everything I've become in my adult life up until this point. So, and that was 2016, June. Wow, you were supposed to say that you moved here to find the best thing that ever happened to you, and that's it. That's well, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> as I was on some real shit, though, like, when I was younger, I always used to say, my wife is in California or Texas. Don't ask me why. <laughs> Literally, was just, like, something in my spirit. Sure enough, met my wife in California. You know Tori, my favorite. She's absolutely my she's favorite. The, she's in the background. She just said period, whatever that means. <laughs> That's that's how how's your LA experience been? Like what was it like for you coming um, here from another I mean, state? I mean, I'll be all the way real. Like at the time I was dating somebody who was from LA. We met in Atlanta. She was getting her masters and that did add to the decision to move because she always used to talk about going back home when she graduated. And here was a company who was not only gonna move me but was gonna move her. So it was like that was a business decision at that point. So they paid for me to move to L.A. and paid for her to move to L.A. when she graduated. She and helped you find your wife. <laughs> right. The one before the one, right? The whole book that y'all can read. But um, the, the breakup happened, you know, as does most things in L.A. You get there and it's new in your first few years if you're a transplant. Um, you experience to day parties, brunches, um, people who just don't have much loyalty at all. And inevitably, it fails. Not because of me, you put that out there. But to answer the question, my experience in L.A. was very, like, young, wild, and free, for lack of better terms. Oh, you know? I'm still trying to find uh, that experience. That sounds like a lot of, a whole lot of fun. That's what your I mean, experience you in LA was? You, you, you might have missed it already. That, that experience is like 22 to 26. That's 26. Shit, I, I don't know what to tell you. But it was a lot of like understanding that people in California, and again, this is from my experience. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on everybody that's from California, but loyalty is rare. You know, everybody's on to the next. Everybody has this. I don't, idea or I don't experience feel like, of industry. 
Yeah, I mean, well, okay, so that's that's another conversation because you're you're a social media influencer. So I feel like you tap into a different world than somebody just coming from LA and just the regular LA experience. I feel like we're we're down to earth. Like, you know, you you know our family, you're part of our family, you know, and me and my cousins are never we've never been your typical stereotypical LA girls. So I feel like a lot of people that have like things to say about LA or or experiences they've had in LA, especially when it comes to like the social media and just you know, meeting different people, a lot of them are not from here. And I feel like they don't have an authentic experience. It's it's like the outside source. I feel like the, the L.A. natives are real. Like, we, we the ones that are going to take you like, look, this this what you do here. You don't do that here. They got good food here. Um, you know, this Woody's tastes better than that one. Go to this Doolin's on Crenshaw and don't go to the one over here. You know, we're going to tell you. Just, you know, I feel like L.A. embraces the people. But... It's a lot of people, it's a melting pot too, you know? So you got a lot of people from different places and they don't necessarily um, exude the authenticity of real LA. That's very real. And I agree 100%. But in the mind of somebody who ain't from there, like, it's few and far between when you're exposed to everything at once. And... Who is going to know as a transplant who real and who ain't if you ain't like in the hood for real? So like I said, like the ex is from Inglewood. So I got introduced to like some real people that on some real shit like made me comfortable enough to stay in L.A. I think I saw some shit that were like people who come to L.A. Year one, it's great. Year two, you ready to move back to wherever you came from because you can't handle the cost of living. You can't handle fakeness and people get in touch with the wrong people. But like if you really meet as you're saying, like, people who are really from L.A., people who really just value the city, it's so special. It's so important. People are so embracing, so warming. Um, and I'd be lying if I said I didn't have that experience, which is why I stayed so long, because I definitely had my moment to, like, I'm going to leave. I'm going back home. This ain't for me. Any transplant goes through that, I think. Um, so in saying what I said, I definitely don't, want to take away from anybody from LA. But as a transplant, how you going to know that real from what's not real when you kind of expose everything at once? Um, for me, I got blessed, I think. I had a chance to put myself out there, meet a little bit of everything, met the hood niggas, met the bougie ones, met the fake ones. I'm an engineer. This is a predominantly white world, so you meet the, the white and inconsistent ones. You meet the white ones who only want you as a token. Um, that allowed me to kind of sit down and assess everyone I had met over the course of a few years and be like, all right, what is it that I want? What is it that's real here? Where can I go? Where can I not go? And by the grace of God, my wife showed up and I knew immediately this is what I want for my life. This is where I want to be. But I would not have known that and I not had experience to literally everything L.A. has to offer good and bad. I feel like transplants, does that offend you when I say transplant? Like, how do you, how do you feel about that word? Because it sounds like, I don't know, for me, like from another planet or something. <laughs> but I, I'm not offended personally because I've been, so I left home when I was 17, went to school in Boston, 
I was a transplant there. Moved back to Atlanta for about a year. I was damn near a transplant in my own city because I wasn't an adult when I left. So that experience is different. But only being there for a year up and moving to California, now you're transplanted to California, still kind of being a transplant in your own city. Um, doesn't bother me at all. Like, yeah, I, I feel like... I, I honestly probably appreciate it more because it low-key separates, like, real from inexperience. Yeah. And it's very accurate to say transplants just don't know better. Like, you don't know what you don't know. So... I feel like with transplants, I, I feel like your response to LA is contingent upon like mobility and success. Like how well you do determines how you like LA or, or how successful you are determines your perception of our city. Very fair. Cause I know people who are transplants who have left after their first heartbreak or have left after a job wasn't what they were expecting. Um, and now LA is I agree bad. With that 100%. I agree with that 100%. Yep. Yeah, so with your social media, because I see you with the Fashion Nova ads, you've been having the, the Cavassier, whatever else you be having going on with your suits and the whole nine. How did you get into social media? Because I feel like we're the um, generation, we're right in the middle. Like, we know what to do with no internet, no MapQuest, no, no Google Maps, yeah. no cell phones. And I had a chirp number. And I had a, a beeper and I had my dad a car phone. You know, like we're that generation that just progressed with technology. Um, so how far back does your social media go? Because I'm talking, you MySpace far back or you like Black Planet far back? That, okay, first of all. <laughs> um, so my story, I would not be who I am on social media without my wife, for real. And then secondly, without L.A. So social media was never a goal. Uh, like I said, I'm an artist and a creative. So when I was in Boston, um, and a photographer, let me add that. So I used to try to book myself on Instagram via, like, taking pictures of myself and posting because I was, like, low-key too shy to whatever, go to a club or to go some random girl and be like, oh, I'm a photographer. Let me take pictures of you. Because it was just like a weird dynamic at the time and people listening might not even understand what that was like. But this was before social media. So I didn't get an Instagram until 2012. I think it came out 2010, 2011. I wouldn't know. But when I finally got one, it was like, all right, well, how do you make money now off of your photography? Because it used to be, I would go to every club. I would go find the DJ. I would say, do you need photos? Then he would point me to a promoter. I'd go to the promoter and be like, oh, do you need photos? And then they would pay me, what, $50 a night, $100 a night, and that would be our clothes and liquor money in college. So once I graduated, it was like, well, I feel like to take pictures, but I don't know nobody. Like, I'm in Boston. I'm not from here. Right. And Boston is very, they're probably more liberal now, but at the time when I was uh, very conservative. I was just going to um, ask, like, what is that black, experience like? whole different New England, which is, you know, Boston, New Hampshire, excuse me, uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Maine, areas in that region. Um, very white, very racist, very um, covert racism, but you find some of the most amazing culture 
some of the most amazing just people fresh off the boat from Africa. Um, I was exposed to things that I was never exposed to in Atlanta and it opened me up to so much. But at the same time, there's a level of, at least at that time. Like what kind of things? Like what? Because, kind of, I mean, Atlanta is uh, Atlanta. Um, I mean, <laughs> what you, what say, you, what was you missing out like, there? I feel like I got a little bit of everything in Atlanta. I feel like intercultural things. Um, I met, granted, huge Haitian and Jamaican culture in Atlanta, but I wasn't exposed to it when I left. I was 17. So they have a Caribbean, like, they have a lot of Caribbeans there? Yeah. I had no reason being exposed to them at 17, though. But you go to Boston, that's normal. You go to New England, New York, anywhere in that area, that's normal. You're exposed to those things at a younger age because there's a higher population of those people. So I got to school, first time really being exposed to dance hall, first time really being exposed to reggae. Caribbean culture, first time having jollof rice, first time meeting someone who loved the things that I loved, but just really came from somewhere that I never could have imagined. Up until that point, it was either you black or you white, or you Hispanic and you stand outside Home Depot. No respect, no disrespect, but that's just what I was The picture that's in. painted, yeah. No, I get right. it, because so, that was Texas for me. So coming from California exactly. and going to Texas, I was like, what in the Jim Crow? Like, this is not, what exactly. do you mean? Like, I'm more educated than you are. Like, I have more experience than you are, and you're talking to me like I'm your child. You know, it was definitely exactly. an eye-opener. So I couldn't even imagine the complete opposite and how that felt right. like you just being exposed to a whole new world. Right. I And I get this to this day in life, even in, like, this interview, this conversation, I think I have a, I call it like a mixed dialect. So I'm a little bit scarred because my first few weeks at school, I got flamed for my accent when I was in Boston. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like girls used to write notes like, we like this nigga, but we don't understand what he's saying. Dudes used to be like, what are you talking about? This dude is stupid. He blah, blah, blah. I'm talking like all the negatives, right? So that and tell, the people where, like, tell them where you went to school at, first of all. So I went to, it's called Worcester Polytechnic Institute one of the top engineering schools in the country, first of all, which says a lot, given that all of the Ivy League schools at Yale, Princeton, Harvard, they're all in that same area. So to be recognized as a top Ivy League school is a big deal, even though people might not ever hear about the school again outside of me talking about it. And to I still have that experience as educated as you are, right. and as much as it takes right. to get accepted into one of those schools, and you still have to right. be subjected to right. ignorance. But at the time, you're 17, you're 18, you're not thinking of ignorance. You're thinking, I'm just trying to do whatever I need to do to fit in. Or I'm trying to not even fit in. I'm trying to stand out but still have some, like, cool and quality by myself. So after the shock, I'll say, of, or just call it culture shock in itself, in that, you know, you overcome whatever adversity you overcome and you start to make your own lane. But to the social media question, that didn't really happen until I got to L.A. So I used to take pictures of myself um, and literally used to get made fun of, fun of because of that. I would put on an outfit, take a picture, and post like, oh, if you need photography, X, Y, Z. And it slowly became like, oh, this nigga know how to dress. That's that's dope though. Know. Yeah, cause you you got a heavy presence on social media. You know, people people follow you. They want to know what what Mario is up to. But like, 
the way that happened for it was like, so I moved to LA in a relationship. That relationship made me um, like very insecure as a person. Finally, for whatever reason, just God told me like, you better than this. Leave this relationship, left it. Had a year and a half to like really find my confidence and started posting more at this time. This is like 2015, 2016. I'm starting to realize the business behind social media versus just I posting pictures trying to make people seem like you really cool or trying to be accepted by people. I started studying. That's when I was like, okay, you can make money off of Instagram. You can low key make, this is before Facebook bought Instagram. Like, be intentional about what you post. But at the same time, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Um, when you fresh off a relationship, when you like on that rebound low key, everybody, it's like, you oh, post you fly. Your, you on the ground. You, you outside. Post your, you post your shit. So you still got to like, that's your resume at that point, you know? So you can right. like, you, you post for attention, but you don't really post for attention. But at the same time, like if you get that attention, you appreciate it. So... That's what that became. And then by the time I met Tori, my wife, your cousin, um, there was enough traction to where I wasn't big headed, but was still like known for doing my shit. She came in and added any extra confidence I could have ever needed to be like, nah, you that nigga, you can take this to whatever level you need to take it to. And that's where the whole this Mr. Reed personality I came from for real was I I can do more than just take some fly pictures. I can inspire people. I can show folks how to dress. I can show people how to be confident, however you look. Um, Show people how to love on their significant other or their spouse without playing the games of being a fucking or playing the games of trying to seem cool. Um, And it's grown to what it is to this day. So, what do you feel like, um, what has your experience been as like a black content creator on social media? What is that like for you? Because I know I see people on like TikTok and Instagram and complaining about being shadow banned or other nationality influencers that are getting more traction on social media than they are. Or they're, they're saying that things are happening to where they're still in their content. And, you know, like, how do you feel about that? Um, there's 100%. A lot of that being black, my experience hasn't been as bad being black as it's being being plus size. So mm-hmm. I get more black men who are skinny who steal my shit than white people who are any size who steal my shit. Wow. So I won't say like it's black or white or it's a, you know, 
black shadow band. I definitely think it's been like a plus size shadow band for sure. And Mario, let me find out you finna piece. be on Rihanna's website in in the G string speed up. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, funny you mention that because that opportunity came up, and I will shout out my brother. His name is Steven. Me and him was like we connected on social media years before. And to people who don't know, this is I call him Moses. This is the light skinned dude who was kind of broke the internet plus size and Rihanna stuff. Wow. He didn't tell me he was doing it. Ironically, he hit me up. Me and Tori just so happened to be out of town when he was in LA doing it. He was like trying to link up. And to this day, I'm like, I really wish I would have like, I'm not going to say I wish I would have known, but at the same time, like I'm so proud of him because he held it down for real and just put himself out there. Like people have asked me, like, would you have ever done that on some real shit? I don't even think I was secure enough. As secure as I am, I don't even think I was secure enough at the time to do that. Like, how stupid do you sound saying you might have turned Rihanna down for <laughs> some like insecurity, but he did that shit. He has really like pushed our culture forward. And even in me saying that, I want to like preach health and I don't necessarily like people just finding excuses to be fat. Like <laughs> some people just like, if you big, you big. But at the same time, like health is important. Like yeah. pay attention to your body, know your body. Um, in the same breath might sound like a contradiction, but be confident. Don't go around every day thinking you're not as good as the next person, um, but still, you know, do the work on yourself. And um, answer your original question, I think I'm still shadow man to this day. <laughs> like, I tell you, probably, and I hate when people do this, but like, I can show you my DMs from a lot of top, you know, 200, 300 half a million thousand, or excuse me, half a million following influencers who are like, hey, bro, you inspired me, you did you that, we appreciate you. For whatever reason, mine hasn't gotten there, but I'm kind of glad it hasn't because I really like staying under the radar. You it really mentioned DMs, Mario? Because I, listen, y'all, I, I just, I, I just discovered the uh, DM requests. I don't know how I've been missing that, but I got some, I got some shit greatest in there. Thing in the world. Greatest thing in the world. I'm no, I don't. And you can even set your uh, preferences to only get notifications from certain people. I didn't even know that was a so, thing. I'll be getting like, people have gotten smart enough to be like, oh, let me um, send a comment DM because clearly you're not seeing your DM. <laughs> but that's a very real thing. Like, I don't look at my DM, one, because I'm married and I just don't even want to open my mind up to a lot of that shit. But at the same time, like, well, I got at least five sugar daddies in mine. So, you know, I might. I'm not married. You single. You <laughs> I'm not married. You, you he, say, I'm not, well, he said direct deposit. Not. Absolutely. I mean, I, listen, to your thing, I prefer not to personally, but at the same time, when your Instagram is a business, you also miss out on a lot of opportunities. So I try to, I try to weed it out at least once a week. You know, the ones who are serious will find a way to get your email or find a way to get somebody that knows you or like the really smart ones to contact Tori, my wife, and like get to you. And that's how a lot of like the brand partnerships and stuff happen. But for the most part, I literally post and go. Like, this ain't because I'm from Atlanta. One of my favorite songs is Rich Than Famous by Migos. The song is I'd rather be rich than famous. I don't care about fame. I don't want you to know my whereabouts. I don't want you to know what I'm doing. 
That's but I want the money that comes with it. But the whole famous thing is like, it ain't what people want for real. Because that attention is just, it opens you up to so much negativity. That's unnecessary. The positive comments, the positive vibes and love from people that you don't know have been exponential in my life. And I appreciate them to this day. I have made friends on Instagram years ago that I'm just now meeting for the first time, you know, this year. And it has been so special, but it takes finesse to like manage all this shit. People be hyping my goofy ass up in my uh in my DM, not even knowing. Not like you you definitely don't want this problem. You a woman. It's definitely different for y'all. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if I'm allowed to even say woman these days, but like like females and women are like, y'all can do anything and I imagine like y'all DMs are probably crazier because you gotta navigate through thirsty no i'm literally gonna like go through and just read everything one day because i'm just amazed that people like you gonna say that to a stranger what if i like posted that on my social media like y'all guess what he just asked me like can you suck my toes like what don't they have only fans for that but but the crazy thing is like out of all of the bullshit i guarantee you it's at least one dm somebody saying you really inspired me i just wanted to show you love if you have any advice for me, X, Y, Z, like that really be what keep me going. Cause I tell stories all the time. Like I quit social media at least twice a week. Like right. I do not care about none of this, but what happens is I disappear for a month. I get a DM from some old woman saying, look, my son is 19. He just got to college. He's six, one, 290 pounds. He's being made fun of. Can you please help me? And it'd be that type of shit where it's like, Damn, like you, you might be making a difference. Yeah. And however large or small of a scale it is, God put on us on this earth to impact the world for Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of your followers are followers of Christ. I am, and that's something that makes me feel like I'm doing whatever work God put me there for. I'm not in church every Sunday. I don't live a perfect life, but I do sleep better at night knowing that if you post this. It ain't for the attention. There's somebody out there that needs to know at your size you can dress, look, and feel confident. Because I know what the fuck I went through when I was in high school. The type of shit I used to do to get attention, not even get attention, the type of shit I used to do just to feel good enough. Some of these kids will never have to do that because they was able to see me on Instagram. I ain't had no Instagram nobody to go look at. Okay. Only big people you had to reference was got them um, Heavy D, Biggie. <laughs> not Heavy um, D. Like, people in music videos that had shit that was completely unattainable. Now you can go look at this local nigga who can tell you to go to Walmart, tell you to go to JCPenney, and do something very affordable and attainable and feel better about yourself. Is that what made you get into um, styling? Well, yes and no. So I never, like, even to this day, I don't consider myself a stylist. But you do offer, like, personal styling, right? I do now just because I ain't no fool. I'm a businessman. I'm like, now I recognize, like, if somebody's going to pay for it, then let me, you know, offer a service. But, like, my daddy was always, like, working. So, me and my pops ain't even really have a relationship until I got grown. This nigga was always at work trying to support me and my mom. So, like, my mom would pick me up from school. She used to always want to shop. I used to hate that shit at first. But then, she used to always buy me some shit. She used to always keep me clean. And then I'm like, all right, I'm a little chunky as a kid. So, the girls show me more attention when I look nice. That, I'm talking like eight, six, seven, and eight. So oh, I naturally ready. developed. 
I naturally developed like, okay, like just look good. So there was never like an intention to style. It was just, hey, this is who I am. This is all I know. And I think I kind of lucked up with social media and other people realizing like, oh, I'm this way too. Here's someone who can benefit me. The way the algorithm works, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter will now pay me for that attention. It was never intentional. So when you, with your shirts and your drops, I know I see you like, uh, you know, with your, your limited edition, whatever you got going on with your shirts. Um, how did that come about? Like, did you start making shirts to go with your outfits or like what, what made you want to start designing t-shirts and releasing them on Instagram? Um, that actually came from a partner of mine. I was still in college. I was already known for, like I said, I used to go to the club promoters. I used to go to all the DJs. I used to do all their photography and I used to do all their flyers. This was my way of getting clothes and liquor money while I was in school. So I'll post that on Facebook. One of my homies who was younger than me, he was in business school at Georgia State. And he was like, he's always been progressive. He, he's always been like the, you know, dying his hair blonde while we were in school, the rebellious one, right? So he was like, bro, I want to start a clothing Is that line. rebellious? Because I've been blue, pink, yellow, red. Legit. And, and then my dog, to this day, he actually just moved to L.A., right? But he um, hit me. He was like, I want you to be my designer. So that's how I started. I was designing things for his clothing line. One day he hit me, he was like, hey, bro, like, clearly you smart, you an engineer, like, you know how this shit works. Let's be partners. So, he and I went in together on a brand called Defiant Scholars. That is crazy. So, him being young, I think, and a bit ignorant, respectfully, he was like, oh, I'm in business school, so I just know everything I need to know about business. But the truth was, he didn't, because he's 18, 19, like nobody knows. Right. Um, I was older, about to graduate, so I kind of took it upon myself, like, all right, well, let me figure out what this business looked like. I was the one going to print shops. I was the one putting my designs on a flash drive or a fucking CD-ROM and, like, taking them to a designer or a screen printer to get stuff printed. And we would try to sell stuff. Me and him... I ain't going to use the word fell out because that's my dog to the day. But we kind of like went separate ways. And I was like, you don't put in all this work. You can do this yourself. So I'm in my apartment, fresh out of school. It was like 4 a.m. Probably was drinking a little bit of something. And I was like, you know what? Let's come up with a, a name for your own thing and start putting it out and see what happens. In 2014, um, that brand was born. And I started selling shirts. You can ask me one question or state a fact about me so my listeners can get, you know, better insight on who I am and what I'm like. It can be whatever you want. And you know me well. So um, <laughs> shoot for the stars, Mario, man. Now, don't don't be uh, asking nothing that you can use against me in court. Nah, I'll be, I'll be kind because I'll start with a statement to your father. Um, one thing I've observed and admired about you and not in a cliche way but you a go-getter in a sense of like I don't know how many people know you a single mom 
so that doesn't even like play a factor in what I'm about to say. Like, you might have goals and things that you strive for that I don't even know about, but you clearly exude someone who is fearless, someone who will go after what they want, someone who will do whatever it takes to provide a life for your daughter that you know she deserves. Also, someone who has the emotional intelligence and emotional availability to not be out here like a scarred, scarred ass bitch. Somebody who's like negatively impacting other people's lives based on what they've been through in their life. Like, I don't know your history with whatever, your child's father, your history with jobs, your history with friends, but this generation gets so caught up in like, such and such did me wrong, therefore I got to translate that to somebody else and pass on that negative energy. I've never seen you do that. You are very much so progressive. And that's one thing I appreciate about you. Um, that being said, question. Hmm. I don't want to say what's next for Deja because I kind of already know the answer to that. I'll say, where do you see yourself in five years and where do you see yourself in 10 years? Ooh. And then where, let me not say where, I'm going to flip it back on you. What do you want your followers to know about you? So you got three questions, five years, 10 years, and what do you want your followers to know about you? Okay. It's five years from now, um, I see myself most likely on an island in Jamaica, of course. Um, Come on, just, Bella. <laughs> right, trying to get my groove back on a resort. No, I'm, uh, I'm in Nigga, real estate you do that development. Every <laughs> I be outside a little bit, huh? but I don't feel like I really don't feel like I do. But you know, I love to travel. I love to travel. But um, I've just been you, pouring you be so outside. much. You I be do. Okay, a little bit. I do. I do. I'll be outside. No, nah, let me say that because <laughs> that's that's low key like a derogatory term. It's, you don't be outside. You, but I literally. You are <laughs> that too. That too. I appreciate that. But like I, yeah, I I be places a little bit. You know. <laughs> But I feel like, I don't know, I'm the type of person that you'll see me, I'll have a long streak of vacation and then be in the house for the next six months because I got social anxiety. Like, that was too many people, that was too long. I went to three events, I usually only do one and a half. You know, like, I, you know, adjust accordingly, but I do, I love travel. So I definitely see myself doing that and just exposing my daughter to more of the world. She loves to travel already, and she's only seven. Um just building generational wealth. You know, I started a business with my dad a couple of years ago and it's grown. And I just want to continue that and show my daughter that, you know, working a nine to five or working for somebody else and making them money is not the only way, you know, and I want to build a foundation for her that makes her comfortable being whatever it is that she wants to be. Because, you know, me growing up, like my family's very supportive, but what you was either a doctor, lawyer, nurse, or nothing. Like, what are you talking about? And you got to have six jobs. <laughs> you know, like, Islanders are like that, you know, but I feel like I got a balance because my mom's side of the family, um, my grandmother wasn't really like that. Like, she was a single mom eventually, but her and my grandfather were together, and, you know, it was more of a traditional American structure. You know, so kind of got both ends of the stick, but I just want to be able to 
have financial freedom, do what I want to do, travel when I want to travel, go when I want to go and express myself. A lot of people don't know a lot about me. Like I've done, you know, set designs and I've done styling and I've, you know, always been behind the scenes helping other people. So, you know, I just want to make sure whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for myself. Um, 10 years from now, hopefully I'll have like an eight year old and a great Dane. Like I want, I want at least one one more kid. I want to get married, you know, the whole nine. Definitely find somebody that you know aligns with what my beliefs are and what I'm looking for, and you know, just a little bit of ratchet like me too, <laughs> you know, because I do like to have fun. But you know, just not not where I am now, progressing. You know, wherever I'm meant to be at the time, you know. And I feel like however many people I touch on the way is was was the most important. Amen. Well, good for you, man. Yeah, but Mark, thank you. Thank you so much for asking uh, questions that require very precise answers. Yeah, be careful what I say. Yeah, um, very in-depth conversation. So, Mario, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. What you got? You got Twitter, TikTok, Instagram? Um, <laughs> I have Twitter, but don't have Twitter. Um, Instagram, TikTok. Um, at Mr. Reed, MRR33D. Um, on Instagram, TikTok is Mr. Reed official because somebody took Mr. Reed and they trying to tax me to buy that account back. But whatever. You be doing the TikTok dances, Mario? Absolutely not. Don't play <laughs> me. Um, but TikTok is paying more than Instagram for anybody out there who's trying to get into social media influencing. Hurry up before it's too late. Um, MRR33D. That's me. Three, still cool at me. Same person. You ever see me on the street? I'll at me. I ain't gonna be no different. Yeah, so. I heard Mr. Reed. Now go buy a t shirt. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Glad to show love, support, proud of you. Yeah, thank so, you. Aubrey, thank you for it. doing this interview Bye-bye. with me. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.